0: Here's what's coming up on this week's show. Understanding something at an intellectual level means nothing. It's all about taking action. And I talk about taking massive action because massive action equals massive results every single time. The beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you
1: doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Christmas shopping, how are you getting on?
2: Mm, I have everything saved in a little pretty spreadsheet, but I haven't actually taken action.
1: I'd just like to proudly announce that I'm done.
2: You're not.
1: No, I'm serious. I mean, all right, I only have to buy for one person, but that's all done.
2: Are you you joking?
1: Here's a question. Do you distribute uh, tasks in your house? Do you have a rapper and you, do you have a uh, a gift buyer and do you have a card writer? Yeah, John. <laughs> so your husband does everything? Uh,
2: most of it, actually. I'm not going to lie because I know he'll listen to this. Um, yeah, most of it. He likes to wrap presents in a, in a specific way. You know, It's rather like going back to what you said uh, about your wife with the Christmas tree. You know, I just feel if people have got a system, then let's not interfere with it.
1: Yeah, if you didn't see that post we put out a couple of weeks ago on our Facebook and Instagram. Uh, yeah, my favourite part of Christmas is... Uh, putting up the Christmas decorations because we have we have mu- Christmas music on we have a little bit of a drink it's a family thing it's me, my wife and my daughter we're waiting until my daughter comes home from university this year so we can do that very thing and it's, it's a big deal however well the one the best part is obviously putting the Christmas tree together which I don't do because I, I'm not allowed
2: you're actually, you're actually not allowed or do you choose
1: I'm actually not allowed I, I've tried a couple of times and it's been deconstructed no that's not the way to do it and it's done again she has this system that I don't Understand Things have to go in a certain place. It has to be done in a cer- certain order. You've got to put the lights on from the top to the bottom. They've got to go on first. And, oh, it's it just—it's like a science experiment. Yeah.
2: It, was actually, it was actually a few years ago where I wrapped a present up and, uh, yeah, John just said, really?
1: Yeah, got to leave it to the experts. Let them get on with it. Don't get involved. Now, every week on the show, we invite an industry expert on our business leader, to help us understand a problem and to help our businesses to grow. Uh, this week, we've got a really brilliant guest and I'm excited about this one. What's the subject this week, Claire?
2: So we are talking about how to be brilliant in business and how to create the best possible outcomes for you in your business journey.
1: Yeah, we think this is going to make you think this week. Michael Heppel's our guest. He's written five or six books, but his first book been around for about 15 years or so now. It's a bestseller. It's called How to Be brilliant and it's not just about what he says because there's lots of themes we've covered on the podcast before he puts these ideas across in such a way that you've just got, got to take action he's a bit of an inspirational guy isn't he Claire
2: he is and uh, one of the one of the things I picked out was thoughts of things and it's the doing that makes the difference
1: yeah so let's find out how to do everything that'll make you brilliant in business this is the big little business show there are a few different topics we could talk about today, because we could talk about how to write a book, because you've six of them now you've written? Eight. Eight now. Just six that were any good. <laughs> uh, we could talk about public speaking, because you're brilliant at that. I've seen some of the videos of you speaking, and not only are you know, you're interesting and captivating, but you're funny as well. Thank you. But we want to talk about a big subject, and it's is it was it your first book, How to Be Brilliant?
0: Yeah, How to Be Brilliant was the first book, and... It's it's really interesting. A lot of people know me for how to be brilliant. They kind of oh, he's the brilliant guy. And it's actually quite nice when you get a word associated with you, especially when it's a good word like brilliant.
1: Yeah, sure. It's quite a broad subject though, isn't it? So for those people who haven't been fortunate enough to read the book yet,
0: explain what it's all about. So basically, I realised a, a while ago that doing a good job was no longer good enough. People's expectations have changed. People want more, especially in business. They want more. They want to pay less. They want a bigger, better, bolder than ever before. And, and I started to help people to basically be able to provide that and I realized that it it narrowed down to several things first of all understanding that you have to have a brilliant balance in your life first of all if it's all work and no play you're never going to be successful if it's all play and no work then you're not going to be successful and people used to talk about this work-life balance as if if you could have a good area in one part of your life it would be poor in the other area well the reality is you can have it all as long as you know how to do it. So how everybody starts with how you get a balance. And then the next step is to say, well, look, highly successful people have left clues. They've, they do things. And all we've got to do is work out what they've done and then replicate that. So we talk about something called the characteristics of highly successful people. And you know, it's, it's little things like you know, people say, oh, successful people are positive. No, they're not it's not about you know just it's not about thinking positive it's about taking positive action that's the difference so we talk about taking positive action getting out of your comfort zone uh, about being able to manage your state so you're in the right state rather than in at right state and then then like the, the the pillars and then on top of the pillars we look at what brilliance really means and we use these a couple of models to show what brilliance benchmarking really looks like and then we encourage people to set some goals and remove the limiting beliefs that might stop you so that's that's the essence of how to be brilliant
2: so I have been reading your book and um, I love the fact you make reference to other people's experiences and what happened to them um, and how we can learn from that so uh, what makes that different than just maybe talking about yourself and your own history
0: I actually get into trouble a couple of times, especially on Audible, because you know, with the audio version of a book, they want the author to read their own work. That's what they want. It's an Audible push that really hard. So I was reading my own How to Be Brilliant on Audible, and I thought, oh, there's a couple of stories here that are a bit about me, and they're a bit about you know things I've done. But I'm no, I'm not a great, you know, I'm not a multi-billionaire business person, or I haven't climbed, you know. Uh, Mount Everest in a pair of flip flops or anything like that. I just kind of do my thing. And there's a couple of people wrote in the comments, you know, that I was being a self publicist because I was telling stories about myself. But actually, then I thought, I, and you know, you come, become a little bit defensive of these things. So I went through the book, and actually, as you pointed out, Claire, about one in every 20 items is about me, and 19 others are about other people. And I've just spent my life becoming fascinated on what other people do. How did you do it? So I used to be a fundraiser for a, a charity and I, I, was a, I was a big gift fundraiser. So I used to go and see super successful people and ask them for these huge donations. And after I got the donation, I used to have another half an hour with them and just ask them questions. How do you do this? What time do you get up in the morning? How did you manage to start your business? What did This just basically like what you're doing with the, with the podcast. Mm. And those people share some incredible insight into their lives if you ask and and that's what i would do i kind of collect stories i would collect examples and then do my best to put them in a format where not only can we read them and be inspired by them but then also say well how can i do my version of this what can i do so the secret because i always have this thing which is the secret isn't in the knowing the secret's in the doing so feeling inspired, like I can read a motivational story about what Oprah Winfrey did and how she managed to become this global superstar and how she overcame adversity. But where's the tools? What do I do? How, how do you do that? And that's what I want to get across. Yeah,
1: it's a bit like Napoleon Hill, isn't it? Because he wrote this book, Think and Grow Rich, which is one of the best-selling business books ever.
0: And that's exactly what he did, didn't he? he it was like a research project, wasn't it? Totally. And, you know, the that I talk about meeting successful people and, and asking them questions... I met a guy called David Brown, who's the man who invented the Caterpillar, you know, the big split axle trucks that you see in quarries and things like that. Oh, yeah. And I was asking him all these questions, you know, about how do you get started and blah, 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 blah. And he said, Michael, let me ask you a question. I said, sure, sure. What do you want to know? And he said, what are you doing right now for your own personal development? And that is such a great question. What are you doing right now for your own personal development? I said, well, what, what do you mean? He said, well, what books are you reading? and and i was reading like a jeffrey archer or something so he was he said okay i suggest you read these two books think and grow rich by napoleon hill and how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie so i started with the two classic personal development books and and i studied napoleon hill for years and then just recently like 2 or 3 weeks ago i was watching an interview with somebody else and they brought in the guy who is the head of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And he knew Napoleon Hill when he was a young guy. He spent a lot of time with him. And they were talking about Think and Grow Rich. And for those people who know the book, they, they, they talk about there's a secret in this book on every page. And what you have to do is, as part of reading the book is you have to discover the secret. And loads of people have interpreted the secret as various things. And the classic one is that if you visualize it, it'll, it'll happen. And this guy from the Napoleon Hill Foundation said, why are people saying that? He said, I don't understand why they would say that. First of all, that's not on every page. And secondly, visualization means nothing without the key thing, which is action. Mm -hmm. And that's on every single page. You must take action. You must do something. Understanding something at an intellectual level means nothing. It's all about taking action. And I talk about taking massive action. Because massive action equals massive results every single time. It's funny, isn't it, with that Napoleon Hill
1: book. Um Clay, you'll remember this too, that actually that's cropped up we're now like nearly thirty episodes into the podcast. And that book has been mentioned quite a few times. And we have this thing on the show, Michael, called we call it Big Little Business Show Bingo, because we've discovered that after talking to lots of different experts in different sort of realms of business a lot of them have come up with a similar similar themes or similar topics or similar ideas and that napoleon hill reference is certainly one of them uh, and in fact reading through your book and this would be the second the third time i think i've read your book uh, just in preparation for m- meeting you again michael and i reckon i could have got house about three times reading your book <laughs> uh, with all the different all the different things that are because they are all in there and one of them that i picked up on which is something that i think you don't get mentioned an awful lot in other business and personal development books is about the people, the right people turning up at the right time and how you, you make a big deal out of talking to everyone, saying hello to everyone you meet because you never know when that person might be the right person. And I guess you've just kind of described that a little bit when you were talking about the uh,
0: caterpillar guy. Well, do you know, the thing is, we humans, for some reason, I think like, the classic thing is getting on a train. So we're very fortunate that we get a chance to travel um, with our work and going out and doing speaking events and stuff like that. And we travel in first class. For some reason, people have this idea that you've got to have four seats, either for yourself or between two. So people spread all their stuff out on, on the seats. And then there's this thing where, oh, gosh, somebody's come along and they've sat down. I love that. I love it when somebody comes to join because I'm going to start a conversation with them. If they, if they want to have a chat, great. They'll talk back. If not, they'll shut it down very quickly. People aren't stupid. They can, they can do that. I've met some of the most incredible and interesting people on trains. And it has led to so much, to business, to developing new relationships, to ideas. It's just gone on and on and on because you put it out there first. And it never happens by accident and i think people hide behind other methods of communication like the classic thing is people send an email rather than picking up the phone you know if you're a business person listening right now before you send that email ask yourself the question could i pick up the phone it's it's a dying art picking up the phone and having a conversation with somebody and it's so important to do you no know, learning how to learning how to to broadcast live with stuff you're putting it out there you're chatting with people you have to learn how to do this stuff because it's hard. It takes a lot of energy. But I guarantee you could not record one of these podcasts and not find somebody who will connect you to something else or will open up something. It has to happen. It's impossible for it to not happen. Totally agree with you. Totally agree. And
1: uh, and I know, Claire, you're big on the art of conversation, aren't you?
2: I'm sick. Can you can you, I was going to say can you hear me smiling? But you probably can't hear me smiling because this is what I say so often is the it disrupts almost the flow of communication when you pick up the phone and it's I just think it's so crazy because we've all got these gadgets and these super duper phones, but it's when someone calls you almost see people look at their phone in surprise that it's actually rung.
0: <laughs> but Claire, you'll know with your with your networking experience. You'll see some people who will join a networking group and they just put it out there they want to help other members they want to share they want to be a part of something and it's like that law where it comes back and you get other people who join and they'll stand up and they'll do their pitch they'll go out they'll dish their cards out and they kind of keep their fingers crossed that something's going to happen it's not going to work you've got to put it out there you've got to put it out there first And, and one of the things that I've learned over the years is that it mightn't come back quickly. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you can put it out there like a week later if somebody's picking their phone up and saying, hi, can you come and do an in-house program with us? But other times we'll get a call four years later and someone will say, hi, I met you at or you did this for me or you helped me out with, I've just joined this new business and we're looking for a speaker for our conference would you be interested? I'm like, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That happened to me, actually, funnily enough. Only last week uh, somebody came back to me after a few years and it's it's not immediate. I think a lot of people think it's going to happen immediately. It doesn't. It takes time to build those relationships up.
1: I interviewed Michael for a, a magazine article five or six years ago and I was about to write a book myself and I asked Michael for some advice and I remembered that advice and I, I, I even said before we started recording, Michael, how I remembered your books behind you in your office where you're talking to us from right now. Yeah. If you stick in someone's mind, and you become memorable, then um, you never know when that's going to come back and turn into something else. Be memorable for the right reason,
0: though. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) We can all be memorable for something and regret it.
1: (laughs) Now, I know you talk about goal setting quite a lot in your book and when you're on stage. And uh, I know, as we said before, you like to refer to other people's stories to illustrate a point. When you're talking about goal setting... You use a story uh, about Muhammad Ali, which, and I hadn't really thought about it in this way before. Talk about that for a second.
0: What I'll do when I talk about goal setting when I do a keynote, I use the example of Muhammad Ali, because Muhammad Ali is probably the greatest goal setter ever. And he used to have this phrase that I'm sure we all remember. I am the greatest. No. One day, if it goes according to the business plan and I get some funding, then I might be pretty good. You know, it's a I I am the greatest. And it's personal, positive, and in the present tense. And and I think, and sometimes people will say, oh, we've got this big company going. We want to do this. We want to achieve that. Can you weave that into your talk, Michael? And I'll say, yes, but I'm not going to talk about the company. I'm going to talk about the individuals and what they can do towards that. And I would rather have, you know, 500 people sat there and... 400 of them be thinking I can make a difference to this goal than have 500 people going oh he's talking about the company goal because that means nothing without individuals doing their piece towards it. You know,
2: Michael I was just going to say um, for reference to what you're saying about the personal positive and present I remember that bit from the book and in, I'm actually at the time where I'm reviewing my mission statements and it's really been a big wake-up call for me.
0: Yeah well do you know that thing about having a personal mission statement and making that three P's personal positive and in the present tense is so so powerful and the key thing then claire is once you get that is making it absolutely everything that that you do like in every part of your life and if your mission statement fits with when you're cooking a meal and when you're going out for a walk and when you're doing stuff with your mates and when you're doing your job then wow and 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 mine, you know, was for a long time that my big goal was to positively influence a million lives. And I used to just visualize every day and think, what did it look like? What would it look like when I'd achieved that goal in the present tense? You know, we would measure everything, every talk, every uh, book that was sold, every audio that was downloaded, every CD that was sold. So we knew how many people we were on target for. And I remember the day it arrived, and we were getting really close, and we said, look, we're probably going to do it in the next week or so. And Alistair, who was the guy in our office who was measuring it, he said, Michael, I reckon that like you're about 50 people off this now. So I was like, right, okay, well, let's smash it. Let's do 250. So we did a special event, and we did the 250 people. We had this big webinar, and we got loads of new people on, loads of people registered for it. And I mentioned that it was my goal to positively influence a million lives. I said, I think I've done it today, but I need 50 people to respond and say, yes, you've had a a big impact. And within two minutes, we had about 150 people send a message saying, Yes, oh, you've wow. had a positive impact. Oh, wow. and I remember getting that feeling, and it was almost exactly how I'd thought it would be. So I'd done it in the personal positive present tense. Then when it happened, I got that same emotional feeling. And it was, I've never, never had an experience like it. It was quite extraordinary. Now,
1: while we're talking about beliefs, this is an interesting question, actually, because obviously at the moment, everyone's had a bit of a change this year, uh, and some people have sunk and some people have swum some people have thought about they have pivoted their business and looked at it in a completely different way and some people haven't um and i guess some of the businesses perhaps who perhaps haven't done quite so well this year or struggled in one way or another or haven't been able to adapt i'm wondering whether that might be because they haven't um reassessed yeah, their values and, uh, and, and their core beliefs. Uh, do you find people find that really hard thing, a really hard thing to admit that they might have to change the way they think in order to move their business on? Uh, well, absolutely.
0: I mean, this is, first of all, look, this has been a scrap and it still is a scrap. We're not going to kid anybody and go, anybody who says all you have to do, chase them out the room. There's never an all you have to do. This is constant. The other thing is that change is hard, you know, it, Anybody goes, oh, well, we, you need to change. You need to pivot. Well, it's hard. It's really difficult to do that. I'm a speaker. I go on stages all around the world and speak. I haven't left the house for nine months. Mind you, I did promise my wife, I said to Christine, in 2020, we are going to travel a lot less because she was getting a bit fed up with all the traveling that we were doing. So, um, is it your fault? Uh, yeah, so I started a global <laughs> pandemic. <Yeah. laughs> and I'll tell you what though, true to my word though, I, we have done a lot less traveling this year. <laughs> um but also i think it's this case of we because we are in a state often of overwhelm it's like and i need to do this i need to change that and i should do this i should that. then we end up paralyzing ourselves and not doing anything so i have a technique to help people with overwhelm and it might be useful for the people who are listening now which is just when you feel that it coming when you and you know when you feel overwhelmed coming up i get a twitchy eye you know i kind of get that other people get a sick feeling other people just kind of can't function properly mm. just take a big piece of paper and just start writing everything down that's going on in your head brain dump the lot what do you need to do what do you need to achieve what are you worried about not getting over the line what what's causing you to worry what's is it is it financial problems how are your customers feeling right now or oh, everything just dump it all down a big piece of paper. You will already feel better just by writing it down. And it has to be, you've got to physically write it down. There's something about when you have a pen in your hand and you write it on paper is much better than typing it or using your phone. Then take one thing, just one thing on that list and get it over the line. So either eliminate it, fix it, sort it, whatever it might be, just choose one thing. And it's the most incredible, liberating thing to know I I can do this. It might have just been one thing. And my advice is pick something easy. You don't have to pick something difficult. You know, it's not like recreating the whole business. It might be I need to ring that customer who I've been putting off calling for ages and ask them if they're going to re-subscribe with us for next year or whatever it might be. Pick up the phone and do that one thing. And it's it's incredible. And the number of people who've told me over the last few months, Michael, that overwhelm my idea. I've used it. And what a difference it's made to me and my business. Yeah, it's
1: very, I suppose it's very, it's a very easy thing to become overwhelmed at the moment. And actually, that's probably one of the most, uh, one of the big buzzwords yeah, of 2020 is, is. overwhelm. I hear that asked, I hear that used so often this year. And something that a lot of businesses are finding themselves in at, at the moment. So, yeah, that's a really valuable piece of advice. Sometimes you need to – it's it's like we've had a few people on the podcast in the past who have, have come up with a really good piece of advice, which is to ask someone else for help when you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, and it takes for someone to look at your business from the outside in and say, well, look, no, how about doing it this way? How about taking a breather and doing that? So I guess – what you're saying is a pretty much the same
0: thing, oh, totally, but you know it, again, going back to the into how to be brilliant, we call it the four magic words: "I need your help and and what's interesting is people don't first of all people don't know how to ask for help, so they leave they they put out clues, they try and get someone to help them by leaving clues. People are focused on their own thing unless somebody literally says the words to you, and another the thing they do is they 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 kind of create. Unnecessary words around it. So uh, I was wondering, Claire, if if I might be able to pick your brain and just see if I could see if maybe just have a virtual coffee and do that. All that you're like, what, 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 what? If I say, Claire, I need your help immediately. Your first thing is, how can I help, Michael? That's if you're a human. That's the first thing you're going to think.
2: Yeah, I think it shows a lot of strength to actually say that. I need your help, but the trouble is, I wonder whether some people are too fearful of showing a weakness or maybe a, that they're not capable of actually undertaking the task, and that 's why they shy away from asking
0: yeah because we 're taught that you know getting something wrong and not knowing something and failure is a is a bad thing. We should be making mistakes, we should be putting it out there we should have a we should have an environment where it's okay to get something wrong, and instead we have this environment where you know what if i I have to be perfect. or oh, what will happen? You know, and um, I, I start, probably start with education, didn't it, when we were at school. I remember being told to sit on an upside-down bin because I couldn't get a maths problem correct. I made the same mistake two or three times. And the teacher's method to help me to deal with that was to bring me to the front of the class and make me sit on an upside-down bin for the rest of the lesson. Not to understand, well, okay, Mike, why do you think you're making that mistake? What goes through your head? Let's look back at the problem. When do, you, when do you think you start to make the mistake? Aha, moment of discovery. No, sit on an upside-down bin. Make me hate maths.
2: Yeah, I think, probably, we think about it, they're just reinforcing that you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and after time, that must really have a quite significant impact on people.
0: Yeah, and in business, in business, what we do is we constantly compare ourselves with other people. mm First of all, people are only ever showing you the best bits of their business. They're not showing you all the crap that's going on, all the problems, and all the infighting, and all the challenges that they've got with the staff who are all, you know, leaving and going, joining competition. And that customer who you're terrified is going to leave you because, you know, so you have to cut your price again, but you can't afford to cut your price, but then they're going to get it from somewhere. And all that stuff that's going on, everyone just puts their best face forward. And they usually do it on social media. So it's like the polished version. Um, and to, to actually, put your hands up and say, you know what, I'm struggling. This is challenging at the moment. is very, very difficult to do. But we need to, we need to create an environment where people feel comfortable doing that. Just saying people should do it isn't enough. As leaders, we should be creating an environment where it's okay to talk about stuff, where it's okay to say things aren't brilliant.
1: And by not doing that, I think a lot of business are, businesses are almost sabotaging themselves, aren't they? By not holding their hands up and saying... Uh, I need some help here. It's almost like cutting your nose off to spite your face a bit. Are there any other uh, things that you feel businesses do uh, which aren't brilliant for that matter and could almost be holding them back?
0: Well, first of all, it, it would come down to why, why you're running your business, why you do what you do. Uh, I have a thing which is if you don't love it, don't do it. You know, if, you don't, if you're not loving what you're doing, then find something else because you know what? You are going to be at work half your waking hours, you know, for most of your life. So you've got to love it. That's the first thing. And having the guts to actually say, I don't love this, I want to do something else is massive. There's a friend of mine who is a great guy and he had a training business. And you know what? It was always this company's doing this and this one's doing that and they're doing this with their training and they're doing that with their training and all this type of stuff. And he he was good at it. but You could just tell he didn't love it. And then just recently, he started a carpet cleaning company and he absolutely loves it. The pressure is off. He gets great referrals because he's, he's good with his banter. He loves that before and after stuff. He knows if he wants to have a couple of weeks off, he can just stop doing his stuff for a couple of weeks and going and then pick it up later on, just say he's full. It's He's so happy now. And it's a joy to see that. And he says, you know what? I was chasing this thing that I had to be this person who I wasn't really. Maybe it's time to, if you don't love it, find something else. Oh,
1: well, we're back to Big little business show bingo again (laughs) because we had an episode back a few months ago where we interviewed a guy called Chad Borquin from Kansas City. The episode's called How to Turn Your Passion into Your Business if you want to go and give it a listen after you listen to this one. And what Chad did, he was a musician playing in lots of different bands, country and western bands. Uh, He loved doing it, but he wasn't particularly successful at it. He wasn't making any money out of it. So he went and did other things, worked for other companies, set up a few businesses of his own, but hated all of them. And then he decided to turn his passion into his business. So he now runs a company teaching other musicians how to make a business and to make money, rather, in the music industry. And that's exactly what you're just talking about. Yeah. Find something you love and then do it for a living. Now, I know you mention in the book something about this, don't you? Because you did something originally that you didn't love at all. Weren't you working for your dad or something?
0: When I, when I left school, I was going to be a roofer because my dad had a roofing business. And I was told from the age of about eight or nine, one day, son, this will all be yours. And, you know, when you're kind of eight or nine years old, the prospect of owning a couple of vans and six ladders is quite exciting. <laughs> but, but that's what I thought I had to do. And so I left school and I joined my dad's business. And after about four days, I thought I've made a terrible mistake. I'm, I, don't, I don't enjoy doing this. It's very different from how I thought it was going to be. And I did it for seven years. So you obviously, at some point, you have
1: had to have had the conversation with your dad and said, look, look, dad, this isn't for me. Thank you very much, but no thanks. Yeah.
0: And it was brilliant because he was so gracious and he was so good about letting me go. And he was like, oh, you're going to love this. It was brilliant. And I remember after about a month, I called into the yard to see my dad about something. And... He was, he was, you know, how were things? It was great. And I saw him all the time, you know, I was, uh, but not in the work <laughs> environment. And I looked at this environment. I thought this is so far away from the real me, so far away from the real me. And I was thinking I am now getting paid to do something that I would do or did do for free. And now I'm getting paid to do it. What a joy. What an absolute joy.
1: I was going to go on to ask you what you think the most brilliant thing you've ever done is. And do you think um, saying thanks but no thanks to your dad might have been it? The most brilliant thing I ever did was married Christine Heppel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a great answer. Undoubtedly. Not just, not just kind of being soft or anything, but my wife made me a very, very different person. I was daft, daft Mickey Heppel. That's what people used to know me as, young daft Mickey Heppel. And I was in love with Christine from about the age of 12. And then eventually when we got together, she, I mean, she always saw something in me that other people didn't. But she she gave me the enthusiasm and the desire to really want to go out and make a difference. And then Christine agreed to remortgage our house. And then she said, if you want me to, I'll help you out in the business. I was like, yeah. And she took over the day-to-day running of the business and that's when it grew and that's when it went nuts and that's when all the success happened. That's a great, great answer. That's
2: brilliant. Okay, so um, do you have maybe your top three golden rules as to how you can be brilliant?
0: Um, yeah, become dissatisfied with doing a good job has to be number one. If If you are feeling like, oh, I can just do this, yeah, that's fine. You've got to start and ask the question, could I do it better? Because somebody's going to come along very, very swiftly and they will do it better and they'll probably do it cheaper and you'll suddenly think, oh, my goodness, I've lost this customer or I've lost this piece of business, whatever. So be dissatisfied with doing a, a good job. But let me give them an all-around business as well. Um, second um, golden rule I would say is focus as much as possible on your unique ability. You know, if you, if you find something that is taking a huge amount of your time because you're not particularly good at it, either make a massive commitment to learn how to do it or delegate it off to somebody else and focus on your unique ability. Um, and the third thing is that when you are recruiting people, you always have to work out and ensure that you create an environment where it's okay to, for people to let you down. And I realized this much too late. We lost some really, really good people because I used to have this idea that everybody in the business had to be the same as me. They had to be as good as me at doing this or they had to be do this or have the same level of commitment or whatever. What an absolute crock. People have got their own things to deal with. They've got their own stuff to deal with. Gary Vaynerchuk, I think it's brilliant when he says, but people in my company aren't doing as much as me. They aren't working as hard as me. He says, well, give them half the company and see what happens. But until you give them half the business, they're not going to so kind of have I have it in my mind now that you know I'm a very fortunate we're a very small team now, but when I had a bigger team, I used to think you will let me down you are going to let me down, and that's fine. we're going to deal with that when we come to it because I've certainly let people down Always a pleasure,
1: never a chore Michael talking to you, and I think I've learned as much this time as I did the last time we spoke. thank you I always come away thinking slightly differently than I did when I began, and I hope our listeners get that too but we always finish our uh, podcast with a set of questions which are inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actor Studio they're totally irrelevant to anything we've been talking about so far but they're a bit of fun and sometimes we get some really interesting answers so uh, are you ready for your questions? Ready so it's rapid
0: fire yeah?
2: It's not painful
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's not painful well, that's a matter of opinion I'm just going to go for it I'm just going to do it from the heart and let's see what comes out Okay first question favourite smell? Fresh-cooked grass.
2: Favourite biscuit?
0: Oh, it's a hobnob. I could eat a whole packet of them, no problem. <laughs> Favourite movie? Probably The Castle. What's
2: that one? The Castle?
0: Australian film. You watch the whole thing on YouTube. It's incredible. Life-changing, life funny, brilliant. You've got to watch The Castle. Everybody who's listened to this, watch The Castle. The whole thing's on YouTube now. It's super. I'm
2: making a note, I'm making a note. And
0: final question. If heaven exists,
1: what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oi, oi. Oi, oi. I don't know whether I can imagine God saying that or not.
0: No. Neither could I. That's why, that's why I think it would be great. Oi, oi.
1: Brilliant. <laughs> okay, so before we finish, just a little plug so people can come and find you if you want to find out more about your books or find out more about you or come and say hi. How do people get in touch? So probably the two best
0: ways, michaelheppel.com. Heppel is l not an L-E or an E-L, E-L-L. michaelheppel.com you can go in there we do a thing called 90 days of brilliance where you can get a bunch of free stuff i would suggest you join that or if you want to join my facebook group it's called how to be brilliant so just find facebook groups how to be brilliant and come and join us there this is the big little business show the podcast with bigger tips for small business
1: well, I must admit, I've never done those questions at the end in that quick fire format like that. But I kind of quite like
2: it. Yeah, it took me by surprise a bit. I was kind of wanting to sort of digest it and reflect on it, but we went straight on to the next one—the quick fire, quick fire questioning. Yeah, it was quite good fun actually.
1: But then aside, uh, some great insight from Michael. Some really interesting stories. Some things that make you think, uh, and a lot of th- things that we've obviously covered on the show in previous episodes. But I just love the way he delivers it.
2: He does. He just speaks such a uh, in such a way that. Everything that he says makes perfect sense. Um, In particular, the parts where Michael talks about the golden rules as to how you can be brilliant Um, and talking about not just doing a good job, looking at ways that you can improve um, and do it so it matters.
1: Yeah, and that story he was telling about Muhammad Ali, which is actually in his book too. Uh, He talks about how... Muhammad Ali spent all of his career going around saying I am the greatest to the point where everyone believed he was the greatest including himself um, and you, some people might think that's quite a big headed thing to do but it did. we now refer to him uh, in the past tense because he's no longer with us sadly but we now refer to him as the greatest boxer ever.
2: Yeah and it's, we do but it's words that you tell yourself um, and then they do come true. The words that we keep telling ourselves and the power of positive words that are used that can then create the most amazing outcome so
1: a brilliant guy brilliant speaker some brilliant um ideas There were a few little boxes ticked in the big little business show bingo uh, card today, but um, just some really important things to re-establish and a a great way to finish off the year, I think, too.
2: I think the timing was perfect. timing was perfect for this one because typically, I feel anyway, this is the time where businesses start to look at things. They're coming to the end of the year. They may be looking at... Creating their business plans for the years to come. So now it's a time to reflect and look at what works and ultimately what you can do to make things even better than they are.
1: Yeah, and on that note, that's a good point you've made there, Claire, because for those of you who are new to the podcast and maybe discovering it for the very first time, hi. Uh, but we start by asking a question and solving a problem for a small business. And then we'll go out and find an expert who can uh, answer that question or come up with a, a solution or help uh, small businesses to think big. So as we go into the new year what would really help us is if you have any questions or any problems that you'd like us to solve on your behalf. If you're thinking about what changes can you make right now and what changes you'd like to make in the future or what problems you're coming across at the moment that you need help with then let us know about it. Get in touch with us and ask us and we'll go and find the expert who can help uh, not just you but everyone else listening at the same time
2: yes sorry <laughs> sorry i was answering you that's spe- i was answering you that's speaking sorry
1: <laughs> you're thinking your answers uh okay right so let's move on then and uh, there's something else that we do quite regularly in fact at the end of every episode we like to finish off by shouting about uh, another business who's been in touch with us or listen to the podcast or is part of our big little business club Um, So, who are we giving a little bit of kudos to this week, Claire?
2: I would like to talk about Kelly Chiara from the House of Colour. The
1: House of Colour.
2: Have you ever stood in front of your wardrobe and thought, I've got nothing to wear today? No. (laughs) Oh, I have every single day. If I'm comparing
1: myself to my wife here, she never knows what to wear because she's got too many choices, whereas I've got limited choices, I know what to wear because it's an easier decision to make. I think less is more. Maybe I need to start throwing out her clothes and then we might get ready faster.
2: No, I think maybe you might be heading for divorce if you do that.
1: <laughs> so have
2: you got the little wardrobe in the corner and then your wife's got the two double wardrobes because that's what it's like in my house.
1: We share the same wardrobe. But she shares a much larger portion of it than I do. It's like it's, it's like if we, if we were sharing a cake, she'd have three quarters of it and I might have the crumbs at the end.
2: I would never share my wardrobe. Oh,
1: so you have separate wardrobes?
2: Absolutely. I'd never share my wardrobe, ever. Never have done, never will.
1: So anyway, back to Kelly.
2: <laughs> yeah, so if you're in that situation, what Kelly uh, actually provides is a service where you can identify... The right attire for you, so whether that be clothing, whether that be makeup, uh, the house of color can stop you feeling lost and confused about your wardrobe, um, so that you can feel confident and have the ability to look fabulous and be just the person you are.
1: Joking aside, but it is a quite an important subject what? because it, no, seriously, I'm not. I, I know I was mocking it there, but it is quite an important um, yeah. thing to do, and it helps you feel more confident when you walk into perhaps a business meeting or any other meeting for that matter. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's I can I can quite understand. And that being an important uh, important thing for a lot of people, and a very very worthwhile service.
2: Yeah, I do because you know you find you hold yourself differently if you're wearing something that really makes you feel good about yourself. Especially in business, you will stand up straighter, put your shoulders back, and. Feel much more confident, so I think that's often very un- underestimated, actually, in business. I yeah, s- I, I say sitting here in my tracksuit bottoms as we're recording <laughs> this, but you know, it's a little <laughs> bit different.
1: So, um, have we, do we do do we, do we share the links? By the way, do we, How do we get in touch with her?
2: Okay, website is houseofcolor.co.uk
1: brilliant go and have a chat with Kelly and she'll sort you out and get your wardrobe sorted and we're all done for today Uh, don't forget you can come and find us on social media at Instagram Facebook and LinkedIn too just search for Big Little Business Show and uh, come and find the Big Little Business Club on Facebook too where all our previous experts are together in one happy family where they share lots of different information and uh, lots of things that you um, you can talk to them about you can have a conversation with all our previous experts and help your business to grow whatever platform you're listening to us on don't forget Forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review too. That helps the biggest up in podcast land. And uh, while you're there, you can check out all our previous episodes at the same time. And we are done till next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> the
0: You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. The Big Little Business Show is a PM2 Media and Excel networking production.